1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box 13 at net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash detectives. Well, before we do get started, I do want to say the program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners, and I especially want to thank uh, uh, Thomas uh, Nicholas, Mary Lou and Rachel uh, will send access to the premium site, as we do with all donations of $7 or more. And you, too, can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Nick Carter. Uh, The program... Aired four weeks after the prior episode, so from May 21st, 1946, here now is the case of the poker murders.
2: What's the matter? What is it? It's a case for Nick Carter, master
0: detective. Yes, it's the case of the poker murders. Another case for that most famous of all manhunters, a detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction. Nick Carter, Master Detective. Even the waterfront section of the city, there lies a condemned slum area. The streets, dark and deserted lined with empty, crumbling tenements. Deep in a grimy tenement deep within, a masked man sits in a hidden room and plays solitaire. This is the sinister master of crime known as the Ace of State. Yes? Uh, Six and seven are close to see you,
2: Ace. Send them in. Well, here we are, Chief. Yeah. You're five minutes late. I'm uh, sorry, James. The cops are watching this area. We had trouble slipping in. Since when have I accepted excuses? <laughs> yeah, boss, we know. What about the other three? Are they waiting at the rendezvous? Yes, sir. And you've both memorized my instructions. we got them down cold, Chief. But suppose there's a hitch. There won't be a hitch. The ace of spades doesn't make mistakes. Of course, if you make one... No,
3: uh, we won't, Ace. Eh? You can depend on us.
2: All right. All right. Ah, uh, you two had better get going. Yeah, okay. One thing. What is it,
3: Chief?
2: Don't forget to leave your calling cards. I don't want to disappoint my dear friend Sergeant Matheson. Ralph Williams?
3: Special investigator for Acne
2: Underwriters. Oh, oh, show him in, Patsy. With the retainer they're paying me, I have to see him.
3: This way, Mr.
2: Williams. Mr. Carter, my company's in trouble. Yes? Well, sit down, Mr. Williams. <clears throat> Tell me about it. As you know, we're the biggest underwriters in the business. But this first storage robbery yesterday, well, we can't take any more of those. Oh, the ace of spades, huh? Yes. Whoever he is, he's hit us five times in the last two weeks. We're paying out a fortune in claims. You're working with the police on this? The police? They're helpless. The ace of spades has been too smart for them. Take that fur warehouse job last night, for instance. Yes? Every burglar alarm was cut disconnected. The vault combinations were known beforehand. And the locations of the most valuable furs. What about the guard? Was he one of your own operatives? Yes. One of our best men, too. They locked him into one of the refrigerated vaults. Mm-hmm. The Ace of Spades men leave the usual calling cards? Yes. It was a five-man job, apparently. They left the six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of clubs. Oh, straight flush. It's a pretty high poker hand. Among his other accomplishments, our friend seems to have a perverted sense of humor. Well, it's a brand of humor I can't say I relish. Mr. Carter, will you help us with the case? I will. Tell you the truth, Mr. Williams, I was just about to drop down and discuss it with my old friend, Sergeant Matheson, in the Homicide Division. You see, the gentleman who calls himself the Ace of Spades interests me no end. I'm looking forward to meeting him personally. I thought I told you never to come down here.
3: I just heard some news. Nick Carter... I
2: know he's been called in by Acme underwriters.
3: How did you know?
2: I make it my business to know everything, my dear.
3: But Ace, Nick Carter's clever, dangerous.
2: Yes, I know. It will be intriguing to match wits with him. Now then, my dear, you'd better run along. You've work to do tonight.
3: Aren't you even going to see me?
2: I'm sorry, but I'm busy.
3: I know. You're playing solitaire. Sometimes I think you love that game more than you love
2: me. Come, come, my dear. There's no basis for comparison. Solitaire, like every other card game, is relaxing. Women, when they're as lovely as you, are exciting.
3: Ace, please.
2: Good night, my dear.
3: You won't be late for Rhoda Stanley's birthday party, will you?
2: No, oh, Patsy. You drop me at headquarters and go right on. I'll join you later.
3: Uh-huh. Oh, it's funny the way I bumped into Rhoda after all these years. I hadn't seen her since college, and then all of a sudden I was standing in a nylon line of Trimbos, and there she was.
2: Yes, and now we're going to a birthday party.
3: Uh-huh. The minute she found out I worked with you, she insisted on our coming. She's dying to meet you, and, well, I promised to produce. You sure you don't mind me?
2: No, no, of course not, Patsy.
3: Oh, it ought to be something. She's married to John Stanley.
2: The banker?
3: Uh Uh-huh, that's right. Hmm. (laughs) Which is the same thing as saying she's married to $10 million. (laughs) And I was the girl in my graduating class voted most likely to succeed.
2: Well, Patsy, it's a funny thing.
3: Hmm? What's funny?
2: Stanley's Bank, the Marine Trust, is putting up the capital to tear down that slum area where the Ace of Spades is supposed to be hiding.
3: Oh, do you really think that's where the Ace of Spades' hideout is?
2: Could be. There are more than 200 abandoned tenements down there. And the two patrolmen murdered in that section seem to point to it.
3: Oh. I won't forget those two homicides in a hurry. Each of them had a playing card pinned right over the bullet holes.
2: Yes, a pair of jacks. A fair sample of the Ace's grisly humor.
3: What kind of a man can he be anyway?
2: Infernally clever, Betsy. We know that much. A brilliant planner with a mind that doesn't overlook the minutest details that might trap him.
3: Why all those poker hands whenever he's pulled a job?
2: He's an egotist. a criminal glorifies his crimes and enjoys leaving his signatures at each one of them.
3: Oh, this close enough, Nick?
2: Yes, I can walk the other half block to headquarters.
3: Nick, I. Please be careful. Don't take any chances. Now,
2: don't worry. The ace of spades may play his cards according to Hoyle, but I'll play him any way I can. To win. Hi, Matty. Oh, Nick. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, for once, I'm glad to see you. This ace of spades has really got me on the merry-go-round. round. First, he knocks over two of our best cops. Then he kills this watchman on that warehouse job last night, and he leaves nothing. No evidence. Except those blasted playing cards. Yes, I know. Nick, I tell you, this ace of spades is like a ghost. This whole case like a nightmare. Matty, you got the cards as men left. Yeah, here they are. Hmm. Common pattern. They sell hundreds of decks like this all over town. Uh, what about the... Fingerprints? Yes. No, none. We powdered every card. Even used the iodine test. Nothing to it. Suppose you searched that abandoned slum area. Look, are you kidding, Nick? Of course we did. The night Burke and Finnegan were killed, we went through it with a fine tooth comb. A devil of a job it was, too. As I can imagine. And as much as that place has been blacked out ever since the city decided to dismantle their street lamps in the area to save electricity. Yeah. With all these hundreds of empty tenements, the ace could change its headquarters at will. Why you could drive a car through there with the headlights turned off and never be seen. Yeah, I know. That's what makes it tough. The place is as black as, uh, well, the ace of spades... I got a couple of men down there now, nosing around. Not that I expect to find anything. Uh. Homicide, Sergeant Matheson. Nolan's calling in from a call box down in that tenement area, Sarge. Yeah? Shall I switch you on? Yeah, yeah, I'll talk to him. Hello? Hello, is that you, Sarge? Yeah. What is it, Nolan? Well, Connors and myself saw a light in one of these here tenements. What? Are you sure? Yeah, positive. The light's gone now, but we got the place spotted. Shall we go in and investigate? No, no, no. Now, now listen, Nolan. You and Connor stay there and keep your eyes peeled on that tenement. Yeah? I'll be right down with the squad. Okay, Sarge. We'll be on the corner. This right side, see? No one. No one. No one! No one! You say that call box was located at the corner of 16th Street and Avenue F, Matty? Yeah, that's right, Nick. A couple more blocks and we'll be there the looks of things. You must have every cruise car on the force in this area now. Okay. But judging by what's gone before, I don't think it's going to do us any good. Matty, just look at this area. Nothing but rows and rows of dark tenements and boarded up stores. Yeah, and I know. Look, there isn't a whole pane of glass in the place. The streets and the sidewalks are certainly littered with this boy. Hey. hey, Nick, I heard a shot. Take it easy, Matty. Take it easy. One of your boys up ahead just blew a tire. Picked up a piece of broken glass by the way. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this place gives me the creeps, I guess. I Oh, there's the call box that Nolan called from. I don't see anything. Are you, Maddie? No. Nolan and Connors must be somewhere around. One way or the other. Better hug the walls, Matty. Yeah. Right now we're out in the open like a couple of sitting pigeons. The ace. Matty. Here in this doorway. <gasps> Nolan and Connors, dead. Yes, riddled by bullets. And look, Matty. The ace left his usual calling cards. The jack of hearts on Nolan and the jack of diamonds on Connors. And Burke and Finnegan drew a pair of jacks, too, and they were murdered down here. Four jacks, four of a kind. Well, whatever the ace of spades is, Matty, he's consistent. He's still killing. And according to Hoyle...
3: Patsy, what's happened to the master detective you promised to produce tonight? Well, I can't understand what's keeping Nick Rhoda. He was supposed to be here long ago. Well,
2: we won't worry about it. Let's just have another cocktail, huh? After all, it is my wife's birthday.
3: <laughs> As you know, Patsy, I'm a lucky woman to be Mrs. John Stanley. Look at the birthday present John gave me. This necklace. Oh, I've been noticing that, Rhoda. Matched diamond, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a magnificent thing. Oh, that must be Nick now. I'll get
2: it. Hey, what the devil... All right, Stanley, get those hands up. Yeah, and fast. Hey, now, wait a minute. What does this mean? We're playing cops and robbers. That's why we're wearing these masks. But you... Shut up, I... Stanley. I'll do all the talking around here. All right, Joe. Get to work on that wall safe. It's behind that picture. You know the combination. Right.
3: John, all my jewelry's in there. Yes, I
2: know, my dear. I'm afraid there's nothing we can do now. Or any other time.
3: Pretty sure of yourself, aren't you?
2: Yeah, lady, I sure am. How you doing, Joe? Okay. Just got the safe open. Swell. Now, Mrs. Stanley, I'll take that necklace.
3: Oh, John, my birthday present.
2: Will you give it to me or do I have to tear it off your neck? Rhoda, I'm afraid you'll have to do as he says. no.
3: I won't. Oh, Rhoda, your husband's right. We're helpless now. These no, men are... they're not going to take my necklace.
2: All right, lady. Looks like I'll have to Ow! rip it ah! off that pretty white neck yours. Oh, take your hands oh. off my wife. Shut up, Stanley. Stay where you are. I, I not see... let her along, you hear? Take your hands
3: off... John! John!
2: Nice work, pal. Yeah. Haven't had a chance to use that blackjack in a long time.
3: You killed him. He isn't breathing. He.
2: Naturally, lady. That was no love tap I gave him. No. Oh. You got all that stuff out of the safe, Joe? Yeah. Everything's worked like clockwork. As the chief would say, according to plan.
3: You'll pay for this, both of you. That's what you
2: think, lady. Oh, um, here's a couple of calling cards. Just to, uh, remember us by. the ace of hearts and the ace of clubs, huh, Patsy?
3: Yes, Nick, and both of the men were masked. We couldn't tell who they were. They hit John. They killed him. He tried to protect me. Oh, now, Rhoda, don't try to talk. You've had a terrible shock. Just lie back on the couch and try to rest. The doctor will be here soon. John.
2: John. I'm sorry, Mrs. Stanley. But someday you'll have the satisfaction of seeing those killers go to the chair.
3: Nick, one of those crooks said everything went according to plan. Do you think the Ace of Spades planned John's murder?
2: Yes, Patsy, I do.
3: But it was so wanton.
2: Whenever the Ace of Spades kills, he kills for a reason. He isn't the type to kill just for the pleasure of it. Now, Patsy, did you notice anything about these thugs? Anything unusual that might give us a clue?
3: No, they were both masked, about medium height, wore black gloves. Wait a minute, Nick. Yes? I do remember something now. When the man who hit John with the blackjack raised his arm, I saw his cufflinks. And what about them? They were little black aces of clubs. Hmm.
2: Unusual. Do they look expensive?
3: Oh, yes, very. And not the usual kind of thing you pick up in a jewelry store. Probably made to order.
2: Patsy, you're magnificent. I am, Nick. You are. You've stumbled on something we've badly needed in this case. A good lead. From now on, we're going to play a little game.
3: A little game? Mm -hmm. Of what?
0: A little game of poker. (laughs) Oh.
2: if I use your phone, Sergeant Matheson. Oh, not at all, Mr. Williams. Sergeant, my company is demanding action from you and Mr. Carter here. Yes. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Williams. Frankly, we can't wait for anything much longer. You realize the losses Acme underwriters are taking? Hello. Hello, Boulevard Garage. This is Mr. Williams. Is my car ready? What? Two new tires. I see the old ones are pretty badly cut up, eh? Well, that makes three new tires in all. Uh-huh. All right, go ahead I suppose it can't be helped Car trouble, huh? Yes, but that's the least of my worries, Mr. Carter My firm's insured the Stanley jewels Along with that diamond necklace For almost $100,000 Unless you nail down the ace of spades pretty quickly uh-huh. well, Might as well try to nail down a ghost We'll do what we can, Mr. Williams I've got a lead on him now, I think What lead? Well, I'd rather not say Until I'm sure it'll be of value Very well I don't care how you get the Ace of Spades as long as you get him. And soon. Good day, gentlemen. Goodbye. Hey, Nick. What's this lead you're talking about? I'll let you know, Mary. When and if it pays dividends. Oh, by the way, did. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Homicide, Sergeant Matheson?
3: Sergeant, is Nick there?
2: Oh, yeah, sure, Patsy. Yeah, Nick, it's for you. Hello, Patsy. Did you find anything?
3: Plenty. I canvassed the big jewelry stores just as you told me to do. And? After walking my feet off and talking to about a hundred supercilious jewelry clerks, I finally made a strike at Rutledge's.
2: They make up those cufflinks? Yes. Did they have a carbon of the sail slip?
3: Yes, Nick, they did. Ah. The man who ordered those cufflinks was Frankie Morello.
2: Morello, huh? Good work, Patsy. Go home now. Soak your feet in hot water. I'll let you know when I need you again. The Ace of Clubs is here to see you. Send him in. Hello, Chief. You sent for me? Yes, Frankie. Sit down. Thanks. Well, Chief, how'd you like the way Joe and me pulled off that Stanley job, eh? That's an interesting pair of cufflinks you're wearing, Frankie. Little Aces of Clubs, eh? Yeah, pretty neat if I do say so. Had them made to order. That was very careless of you, Frankie. Ace. What do you mean by that? You wore them on the Stanley job. You gave Nick Carter a clue. You'll find out who you are sooner or later. Yeah, but Chief, he I... a dangerous man with a clue, Frankie. Now he hopes to get at me through you. It's going to be embarrassing to have you around. Hey, Chief, I, I didn't wear these cufflinks at the Stanley's. I swear I didn't. Oh, didn't you, Frankie? No, no, you've got to believe me. Yes. Send in the Queen of Hearts.
3: Right.
2: What? Meet the Queen of Hearts, Frankie. You?
3: Yes, Frankie. It's I.
2: Sorry, Frankie. Chief, no! No! <laughs>
3: state of affairs, Nick. Frankie Morello, our only clue wiped out. Yes. But only you and I knew about that cuffling's clue, Nick. What is this ace of spades, a mind reader?
2: That's who you forget. Huh? When you and I were discussing it at John Stanley's house, someone else was there who could have overheard us.
3: Oh, Nick, you're not suggesting that Rhoda...
2: She was in the room with us when we talked it over.
3: Well, I know, but she was in a severe state of shock. Was she? Nick, you don't mean... I
2: mean that things are beginning to add up. Look, Patsy... Those crooks knew where the wall safe was, even at the combination.
3: Oh, yes, that's right.
2: The ace of spades could have received that valuable information direct from Rhoda.
3: Yes, but we can't be sure of that, Nick.
2: No, but there's one thing we can be sure of. Neither you nor I tipped off the ace of spades about that cufflinks clue. And somebody did. And the ace felt it was important enough to force him to destroy the evidence, his own henchman.
3: And it must have been Rhoda who tipped him off. She was the only other person who knew about the cufflinks. Exactly. I, oh, I can't believe it. Well, I I knew Rhoda Stanley well. Of course, I haven't seen her for... Oh, Nick, how could Rhoda be an accomplice to the murder of her husband right before her own eyes?
2: Patsy, those jewels in the safe were insured for $100,000. That's a lot of money. Not to mention the millions that John Stanley probably left her in his will.
3: But if Rhoda's mixed up in this, then... Who is the ace of spades?
2: I've got a hunch, but I'm not positive yet. Whoever he is, he has an intimate knowledge of the jobs he tackles. And all these jobs have been pulled off against Acme underwriters. Patsy, suppose someone had easy access to the files of the company. Files? Yes, on banks, purges, first storage vaults, and other properties, giving their floor layouts, burglar alarm setups, and so forth. A clever crook could pull off a nice, clean job with this information, couldn't he?
3: Yes. Oh, but there might be any number of men who'd have access to this information. Adjusters, executives, insurance actuaries... Any number of people on the inside.
2: True, but we can narrow it down further. This man, this ace of spades, would not only have to be an inside man, he'd have to be someone who got around on the outside, too. knew all these places by actual experience because he'd visited them. That's the only way he could operate the way he's doing.
3: Wait a minute, Nick. You mean...
2: I'm not sure, Patsy. But I hope to know within an hour. Come on. Get your hat. Let's go. Go? Go where? To the Boulevard Garage. That's where Ralph Williams keeps his car. (laughs)
3: Attendant looked a little suspicious when you told him you were a dealer and that Mr. Williams sent you down to make an estimate on his car.
2: Well, I'm going to make an estimate, all right. Now here we are.
3: Nick, you still haven't told me why you're interested in Mr. Williams' car.
2: Not interested in the car itself. Because the tires.
3: Uh, the tires? Yes.
2: I understand three of his tires were cut up so badly I had to have new ones. I think I know what cut his tires that way. And I want to be sure.
3: Now well, hurry up, that that attendant is keeping his eye on us.
2: Patsy, I've found what I've been looking for.
3: Nick, I just don't get it.
2: Here, take a good look at all four of these tires. Huh? See the glass particles in the treads? Mm. There's old tires, full of them.
3: Yes, but what do they mean?
2: I mean that Mr. Williams has been driving this car over roads littered with broken glass, and the only place in town where there are roads like that is in the abandoned slum section.
3: Then, Nick, what you're saying is that Ralph Williams is the ace of spades.
2: Yes and i bet every poker chip in the pot on it. Investigation, Williams speaking. Who? Claims department. Oh, yes, Mr. Redden. Funny, I was just talking to Mrs. Stanley. She's right here in my office now. No, we haven't been able to break that Stanley case. The ace of spades got clean away with those jewels. Huh? I know it's a lot of money, but we're licked and we'll have to pay the claim. Yes, I know, and you're perfectly right. But even Nick Carter's fallen down on this one. All right, Mr. Redden. Goodbye. Well, my dear, it looks as though you're in. They're going to okay the claim.
3: When will it come through? The cash, I mean.
2: Sometime next week. And after that, my dear... I suggest you go away for a long vacation trip. In fact, I think I'll join you myself. It's, uh, getting pretty warm in town. Yes? Come in.
3: A messenger brought this letter for you, Mr. Williams.
2: Oh, thank you, Miss Hamilton. Hmm. From Nick Carter.
3: Nick Carter? I wonder what he wants. Oh, now, my
2: dear, nothing to be nervous about. Let's see. This... There's nothing in it but a playing card.
3: Yes. But look at that card. It's the Joker. Nick, the messenger left William's office five minutes ago.
2: I know. It's almost dark. He'll be out soon. What he does, Patsy, we'll tail him.
3: Nick, why did you send him that Joker? Just
2: having a little fun. In the ace's own way.
3: But isn't that dangerous? Shouldn't we have just gone up and got him? What if he gets away?
2: He won't. You forget one thing, Patsy. What? The loot. The ace has almost half a million dollars sold it away somewhere. And he's certainly not going to leave town without picking it up. That's the big reason why I sent him the Joker. If he knows around to him now. It'll flush him out. Of
3: course. And he'll lead us right to the hideaway.
2: If everything goes according to Hoyle.
3: Nick, Do you think it's in one of those slum tenements somewhere? I bet him it.
2: Can't think of a better place to hide anything. Here wait a minute.
3: Hmm?
2: Yes. Here comes Williams out of his building now.
3: He isn't. <gasps> Rhoda Stanley's with him. Hmm. They're getting into a taxi.
2: All right, Betsy. Here we go. Um.
3: Nick, look. They've stopped at the Riverview Boathouse.
2: Yes. They're getting into a launch.
3: But I don't understand. This means they're not going to the Tenement area.
2: On the contrary, Patsy. You forgot one thing. The river fronts that area, and the boat running quietly with its lights out might get in a lot easier than a car, especially when all the streets are being watched.
3: We can't let them get away, Nick. What now?
2: I'm going on to the Tenement area. You get Mary on the phone. Uh Uh-huh. Have him throw a cordon around this entire area. And Tell him to notify the harbor police, too. All right, Nick. I fancy make it plain to Maddie that the harbor police are not to stop the boat. I just keep them under civilians. We want the ace to pick up that money before he tries a final getaway. Well, Nick, it worked out just as you figured. The ace of spades came off that boat and went into that five-story tenement right across the street there. Yes, lucky your men were posted onto those docks, Maddie. Otherwise, we might have missed him. Oh, the Stanley woman's waiting in the boat. We can pick her up later, just as soon as we... Uh... Hey, Nick. The Ace of Spades is coming out. Get back into the doorway. He went in empty-handed and came out with a suitcase. Yeah, that's the swag, all right. Oh, here goes. Just a minute, Ace. What? No! Drop that gun! Drop it, I say! Nice shot, Matty. Winged him in the arm. Yes, sir. You trumped the Ace of Spades neatly.
3: Well, Nick, they're starting to tear down these tenements today. Oh, what a place. Even in daylight, it gives me the creeps.
2: Yes, but someday they tell me this is going to be a beautiful housing development with parks and playgrounds for the kids.
3: Maybe, but right now it looks like a kind of death house. And speaking of the death house... I wonder what the Ace of Spades is thinking about now.
2: About black on red, or red on black.
3: Uh, Nick, what on earth do you mean?
2: I just spoke to Maddie on the phone a few moments ago. He tells me the Ace of Spades sits in the death cell all day and all night, playing solitaire. <laughs>
0: Say, Nick, uh, how about giving us a few of the ingredients that make up your story for next week?
2: Why, sure, Hugh. Take a beautiful young girl who's positive she's going crazy, just as her mother did before her.
0: Then
3: add her boyfriend, who refused to believe she was losing her mind in spite of the evidence to the contrary.
2: Mix them together, and add a country doctor who alone knew the secret behind it all.
3: And you have the tense and unbelievable situation with which Nick was faced.
2: And, uh, what do you call this witch's brew, Nick? I call it? The Case of the Demented Daughter.
0: Nick Carter, Master Detective, which is produced and directed by Jock McGregor, is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. Pictured stories of Nick Carter appear in every issue of the Shadow Comics. In the broadcast of Nick Carter, Master Detective, Lon Clark is starred as Nick, Charlotte Manson is featured as Patsy, Matthew is played by Ed Latimer, original music is played by George Wright, script is by Max Ehrlich. Any resemblance in these programs to actual persons living or dead or to actual places is purely coincidental. Nick Carter, Master Detective, is presented over most of these mutual stations each week at this same time. This is Hugh Sanders saying so long until next week. This program was heard in Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
1: Welcome back. Well, this, uh, once again, does capture a lot of the early Pulp Fiction style of early Nick Carter as opposed to the more... Um, traditional detective stories that we heard with Edith Miser uh, writing for the show. And it was definitely, this is one that really does go by the concept. Um, And really, it's a great concept, and I think it made for a solid uh, adventure. Well, now we turn to some listener comments and feedback, and we start with Wes, who said Nick Carter was among the first Radio Detectives to have a catchphrase. Quiet, Patsy! Though I've heard every episode, I don't enjoy them nearly as much as Philip Marlowe and Johnny Dollar. The character of Nick Carter is just written to be too perfectly competent to be believed. And the sycophantic way that Patsy and others regard him is nauseating. While I can appreciate your opinion... And uh, I will say that I don't really like the way that latter scripts have treated Patsy. I think that the early scripts from 1943 really presented her as a much more appealing character who you know obviously wasn't Nick Carter but was brave and uh, generally a decent person to have on an adventure. And in some ways it feels like in these more uh, recent versions that uh Patsy kind of serves to try and get the audience as scared as she is. Regarding um, the general attitude to Nick Carter, it's something really that does come from the pulp, and it comes from the fact that uh, in terms of overall fictional uh, stories told, there were 900 print stories about Nick Carter told before the radio show ever started. I mean, this is a guy who, working through all the criminals he caught, uh, it t- takes him uh, a whole day to update his files and only get from A to C. Still, that can be a challenge for um, listeners who like a little bit of humility and the fact that most of us just did not grow up on uh, Nick Carter stories. Uh, Some listeners had some comments regarding episode 1362, the eight records of death. Michael uh, says, uh, this is an interesting glance at technologies of those days. I had no realized you could cut records in the privacy of your own home. Well, not everybody could. Um, The first really big um, product that you could do that with was an RCA radiola which uh, retailed for $285, which was around $4,000 today. Uh, the Recordo was a lot uh, from Wilcox Gray in the 1940s. that uh, kind of improved that. Uh, it was believable with eight records of death because we were dealing with a fairly wealthy woman, for whom $285 for a radiola wouldn't be a big deal. An amateur recording has been dealt with with the golden age of radio. Usually, it's dealing not with people recording in their homes, but recording at another location, like a Penny Arcade. And there actually have been, at the very least, episodes of Pat Novak for Hire. And also, I was a communist for the FBI that uh, used that... Uh, Arcade recording method And then there's a comment Uh, Joel says uh, The Eight Records of Death is a fantastic program It would make a fantastic movie Thank you for your great podcast Well thanks so much I don't know how it would work in the visual medium You'd really need some good uh, Face actors uh, To sell it Of course you might uh, cut the length of the records In some way Add a little bit of parallel I don't know. Maybe it'd be a modern one you could modernize too. The eight MP3s of death. Nah, that doesn't sound quite right. And finally, we do have an email for uh, 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 from Cameron who says, "Hi Adam, maybe you're already aware of it, but the name Nick Carter was also the name of a famous bloodhound dog, born in 1900 in Kentucky, who tracked fugitives." And apparently is credited with over 600 fines leading to arrest. Just thought you'd find that interesting. And uh, he did link to the uh, article uh, on dognameswolf.com blog from 2007. And, uh, yeah, a Kentucky bloodhound named Nick Carter. And, again, this does go back to the earlier comment about the way that Nick Carter is uh, treated probably around the turn of the century when this dog was named. Dick Carter had been out less than 20 years and was huge and really was probably the first of the uh, popular great American uh, detective, uh, fictional detective. even though he's not as well remembered as Sherlock Holmes. And the fact that he's not somebody who is remembered and revered uh, as he was back then, I think is part of the problem when it comes to the uh uh to the to the constant praise of uh, nick carter uh because you know back in 1900 they think they have a pretty good uh, bloodhound and what better name for it than nick carter though uh to be fair even if uh you were taking uh, Sherlock Holmes and uh, Nero Wolfe. We'd have a problem if the police were universally revering them to the level that Nick Carter is. But it mostly just comes back to the books, without which we wouldn't have the radio series to start with. Well, that will do it for today. Join us back here next Friday for or, uh, Friday for your truly, Johnny Dollar. Next Thursday, we'll be back with Nick Carter. And coming next Tuesday, easy money. You won't want to miss that one. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter or Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.